Hey, Suburbanites. Let's talk. I'm Gia. I'm Yasmin. And this is our first episode, so here's just a little bit about how we met and why we started this. Um, We met in sixth grade earth science, and despite our own differences, Yasmin and I have eventually become really, really good friends. Yeah, we've done so many different things together, from debate to participating in activism to just discussing all our passions. Our friendship eventually led us to a podcast, and a project together was a long time coming, because we've wanted for the longest time to do something for the community and also have fun with it. And this was the perfect spur of the moment kind of thing to go off on. And it really was a spur of a moment thing where I was just like, hey, Yasmin, you know what? I've always really wanted to do a podcast. And Yasmin said, why not? Let's do it. And we started this podcast to awaken the youth of today to problems that we're surrounded by in the modern world. And this can include stuff like high school stress, human rights violations, mental illness, taboo subjects, and how to actively participate in grassroots movements. And we're both in high school, so we thought we'd share our own experiences about school, our community, the privileges, the pressures, just everything. And we hope that you guys will be able to relate to it. And as this thing keeps running, we hope that you can share your experiences with us too. Yeah, and since Yasmin and I are about to be seniors, we've done almost 12 plus years of school. And I think one of the main focuses of school that we can talk about is grade pressure. The pressure of getting good grades, the pressure of competition, and just wanting to be an achiever, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think that one of the things that commonly comes with grade pressure is sleep deprivation. And I think this problem is twofold. So you have the people who spend hours upon hours cramming, just locking themselves up in their room, studying till like two, three in the morning. But you also have people who deeply care about school, but also the stress can get to them sometimes. So they end up using that energy on video games or TV just to like calm themselves. And then they end up watching till like midnight and then they have so much work to do and I think that really creates a toxic cycle. I definitely agree and as someone who has suffered through that, suffered through sleep deprivation, insomnia, you know I was diagnosed in junior year and (laughs) that's a really late time to be diagnosed but basically it's a cycle, it's a vicious one too and it hurts because it like leads into a lot of other health issues, other health problems and it can really affect the way that you are able to work, not only in school, but outside of school, you know, with your sleeping habits, your work habits. It, it's a lot of interconnection. And Yasmin, I know you're someone who's always been very good about having eight hours of sleep. So how have you dealt with this problem? And like, how have you managed to keep that going for you, for yourself? Yeah, so I think one of the big things to take into mind is that if you go to bed really late that means that you're going to be getting very less amount of sleep and so when you go to school you'll definitely be tired and a lot of times that means you're probably sleeping in first period or highly unfocused so that leads to you not retaining any of the content in school so i think one big thing that has helped me is using time in school wisely obviously like I talk to friends and definitely do want to enjoy that time but I think that when we're given a worksheet instead of just shoving it off I just complete it in class so that means that there's one less assignment to do because in high school I think there's 
less of a distinguishment between like homework and classwork. We just have certain tasks to do. So if you finish those more like worksheet based assignments in class and spend like the brute studying at home, that definitely saves a lot of time. And maintaining an agenda is also a really good thing to do. When you see everything that you have to do for a day, it makes it a lot easier than trying to remember everything or not really knowing what you're doing. And with an agenda, you can also set like sort of checklists and planners where you have certain time allocations for studying so that you make sure that your 24 hours are optimally used. What are some tips you recommend, Gia? Um, so personally, I have a lot of difficulty with just staying on focus and also on starting things. And I know a lot of my other friends with ADHD out there can also relate to that. And personally, I think that just getting into the habit of reminding yourself when you're noticing that you're out of focus to, oh, hey, you're out of focus, like go back to focus. It's super hard to do. But once you get in the habit of doing that, it becomes really helpful and you get in the habit of just not even getting out of focus anymore. And I also think that medication has helped a lot. So if you think, you know, that you might have ADHD, I was diagnosed really late. I was diagnosed in the middle of junior year, but the medication has definitely helped. And if you think that you might also need some sort of medication, then I would strongly suggest talking to an adult. And I know this might not be an available option for everybody, but it's just something that I can safely say put out there, you know? And so are there any things that you've done that help you kind of start tasks or keep you on track? Honestly, journaling. As I've journaled, I've noticed my habits and I've noticed what I do that's so unproductive. And once I've like written these things down, I think of solutions for these things. And it really just helps me go back and look at myself and look at what I'm doing. And it's a way for me to not only get things out, but also a way for me to solve my problems. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that journaling is really unique in that you can have like everything there, things that you're passionate about, like maybe journaling about some hangouts with your friends or your favorite vacation, but you can also have like sleep trackers or like water trackers. So I think that like journaling definitely, if you have the time and are willing to start one, it can be very beneficial in multiple aspects of life. And I think it's so important to remember that it's okay to not like do it every day, you know? Cause I hear things like, oh, you should journal every day. Like it's so helpful. It's it's really this, it's really that. And it is, it, it really is. But the thing is for someone like me, I just can't, do it every single day and sometimes it's maybe I'm too tired sometimes oh I just can't be bothered by it sometimes I'm too busy but I think doing it even once in a while is good enough something worth doing is always doing like halfway at least you know that's a motto that I remember I don't know where I heard that from actually but it's a really big motto that I go by Yeah, I definitely think that putting in some effort is always better than not putting in any effort. And of course, like when you first start journaling, your calligraphy isn't going to be like the most perfect thing in the whole world. But really keeping to something, that's where you definitely see the success. And everything doesn't need to be Instagram worthy on its first shot. Yeah, and some other things that I live by are better late than never. 
and start by starting, you know, that's always the biggest one. You're always going to say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Because I used to be a huge procrastinator and I still kind of am, but I've learned how to tone it down a bit and I'm still working on it. And start by starting is one of the biggest things that has helped me because once you start, that's, you can keep the momentum going. But if you don't start at all, you have nothing to go off of. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like, it's human for us to have setbacks, but instead of just saying like, oh, I'll start back tomorrow and tomorrow will go well. Like if there's a mess up in the present, that's totally okay. Kind of think about what went wrong and then like fix that in the current moment. And that's definitely how you keep the momentum going on. Mm-hmm. And you know what's actually really strange? Um, I was also diagnosed with OCD and it used to be one of the biggest things for me to just say, oh, it's like, 8 21 I'll just start at 9 or oh it's too late today I'll just start tomorrow but you know what just start it you know just do it like I don't want to be Nike but just do it you know yeah and I can totally relate to that like I know for me too like I like increment I used to really like increments of five like my volume had to be an increment of five or I had to wake up or start certain activities. But I think that like noticing these little things that kind of bite away at your productivity can definitely help with making sure that you're staying on track. Yeah, and something else that's really noticeable to me is that school is kind of like a pressure cooker, you know? And some people tend to, instead of focusing on their habits and bettering themselves, some people tend to want to take the easy way out, which can lead into cheating. So I was wondering what you had to say about that. Yeah, so I think that a lot of times it's not necessarily malicious intent. It's not people saying, yeah, I'm going to cheat today. But it's more that when you have six to eight really difficult classes, plus activities such as clubs, sports, art, etc., it's really difficult to maintain that balance. So people think that cheating is an easy way to just make sure that they get good grades. But it's interesting because I know one teacher I'm really close to, said that a side effect of cheating that a lot of people don't realize is that teachers just assume you're understanding the content and from there they make harder tests and harder assessments and then the cycle keeps going on students have to keep cheating more and more because the course load gets harder but the course load's only getting harder because teachers think students know more than they do because of the cheating so what do you think about that I was just wondering, like, I had a question. Where do you think this pressure comes from? Like, ultimately, yes, it is the classes. It is. But what is stopping us from being, like, you know, quote, unquote, virtuous and just trying to better ourselves? Like, it can't just be laziness, you know? I feel like there are more external factors to that rather than internal. So I was just thinking about that. I think one of the biggest things is the desire to get into the top colleges. A lot of people see the college application process as this sort of checklist where you need all these high A's, perfect score on ACT, SAT, national awards, and every single extracurricular. So from there, people are so busy trying to meet all these things and then a lot of times like they see cheating as something that's a way of saving time on their college apps and building their character as this perfect college student that's so interesting to think about because not only does school dehumanize us as numbers but we're dehumanizing ourselves and our lives into a checklist and that's that's kind of crazy Yeah, I think that it is very important to try your best in school, but that's not the only thing that you should be focused on, like meeting all these like checklists, because a lot of times like the college application process is kind of up in the air. And 
if you don't use your high school time to actually focus on your goals, build friendships, and help better the world, then at the end of the day, it's really hard to find that self-fulfillment. And what's even crazier to me personally, or, well, that was kind of redundant, but just to me, I guess, is that we place college on just such a high pedestal. Like, school is meant to create a workforce, you know, to produce a workforce. And now these expectations have changed. Like, we're not just here to produce a workforce. We're here to enlighten ourselves, make something of ourselves, make ourselves worthy of life you know to find the meaning of life and we're supposed to do this through school but in reality that's the opposite of what we're doing yeah and it's definitely crazy how like even the bells in schools are kind of designed to mimic like the factory condition so it's kind of crazy how a lot of people are just treating school as this sort of factory to develop like the perfect college student But I know I have a lot of college friends who end up in these top universities, but a lot of times, like, they don't spend their high school years trying to find out ways they can help the world. So then it becomes difficult, like, finding that personal fulfillment there. And these expectations come from so many different places. Like, for one, it comes from our parents. It comes from our school administrators. It comes from, like just society telling us that you have to be this perfect model student in order to succeed in life. Like, what does success even really mean? It's something different to everyone, you know? And it's so difficult to watch so many students being mindlessly thrown into this game. But another interesting thing is that this game is honestly something only like the privileged can really think about. Because if you think about it, like the SAT, ACT, these are beneficial for students who have access to tutors and textbooks. But in a lot of communities, so you have so many brilliant kids, but their style of English, according to College Board, isn't the right English. And they don't have the money to pay for these expensive hi-fi tutoring. And I know that for our September-October topic and debate, we discussed like the merits of standardized testing for the college admissions process. And it was kind of crazy to learn that students in poorer families have SAT scores averaging 400 points lower. So it really makes you think that is college apps just like a money game too? And you know, the system is an institution. It was put in place a long time ago when the actions of certain individuals led to the choices that people can make today, whereas the slavery or, you know, the way that people were forced into certain things lead to the choices that other people make today. Like, for example, you know, Black people's ancestors were mostly slaves and they didn't get to make the choices that white people did. And because of that, black people today have to suffer the consequences of that, whereas white people don't, you know? And I think school itself is an institution that has to be reformed in order to make America a more levelized playing ground for people of all skin colors, um, backgrounds, you know, etc. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that even today you can see certain things like the fact that a lot of schools are funded on property taxes, but because of redlining, certain communities don't have as expensive of real estate. So the taxes end up 
amounting to less money. So less money are is spent on these schools, which need more money because they have such brilliant students, but they don't have the infrastructure and materials to support them. Mm-hmm. And we also forget stuff like, even if you are wealthy, you know, even if you are, let's say, an elite, a supposed elite in society, you can have certain issues that throw you off of your game. Like people who live with, for example, abusive parents or people who have been in tough economic situations. Like this really affects not only your work ethic, but also affects how far you can get in life. And I think that's really sad. Yeah, I definitely agree. Things like mental illness, um, family life, all of those things definitely play a process into how you can perform in high school or what kind of resources you have access to. So I think these things definitely need to be considered that college apps aren't necessarily a matter of like how many courses can I, AP courses can I take or how many national awards I can get. It's a matter of what you've been able to accomplish in your situation. And the worst part is we pit ourselves against each other. Like we, instead of just, you know, focusing on, oh, how can I be a better student? How can I dehumanize myself to become the model student? We're also like, oh, how can I become better than this person? How can I become better than that person? And that can really affect the way that we view our relationships and how we interact with other people. So I was just wondering what thoughts you had on that. I think that a lot of times friendships in high school end up being measured in terms of academic worth. Like if you're not texting a person, helping them with chemistry questions or sending them study guides anymore, you sort of become no longer needed in that person's life and they kind of drop you. It creates this very toxic cycle where friendships end up just being about schoolwork. I know one of my close friends told me that if you can't really talk to a person outside of school about anything other than school, at that point, they're no longer your friend. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting to me is how friendships can be so easily broken just because of competition. Like, you know, friendships get broken, like kicks, people get kicked out of clubs, people will stop talking to you entirely, cut you out. And it's sad that we revolve so many of our relationships just around this institution that makes us dehumanize ourselves you know I keep saying it like that but I think I want to say it like that in order to emphasize my point and I don't think that it's because people are bad it's just that the saying goes familiarity breeds contempt I think that a lot of times people keep comparing themselves to other people that oh they're not like I myself am not working hard enough I'm not as good as them and that kind of makes you villainize another person when they're really just out there, you know, focusing on their goals, trying to live their best life. Yeah, or even the fact that people get bullied, especially in our school. I know this is much of a bigger thing, but if you're taking lower level classes or if you're not doing as much as somebody else, you're immediately put down because of that and you're insulted. It really sucks, especially when people don't understand things that are happening in their personal lives. Like we mentioned before, you could be having mental health issues or you could be having problems at home, but none of that matters because a lot of times it's just, what are you accomplishing? People don't really want to care about how much you're accomplishing with what you're given. Yeah, and as an Asian American, it's kind of just in my culture. It's been taught to me from so early on that, hey, 
this is competition. Life is a competition. It's not just for you to enjoy, you know? You you have to compete with other people. You have to be successful. You have to be more successful than somebody else. And it's the part of that culture that's taught to us is kind of toxic from certain points. I can see how our parents, you know, mean the best for us. They really do want us to be at the top of the world, but it can be a really toxic culture and a cycle. And a lot of times the blame can't necessarily fall on them because they've come here as immigrants and they have to live under the model minority status. And that's difficult because if you're not white, you have to work so much harder to accomplish the same things in a lot of areas. So they kind of instill that hard work into us to the point where sometimes it can be a little too much. And it's not even just them. Like, as an immigrant myself, I can tell you that that's so true. Like, I've had to work so much harder to just learn English and be caught up with the rest of my peers. And it was a difficult task. And for my brother, I want the best, you know? So I push him to do a lot more than what I could have done at the time. And I think... It does make sense, but it also needs to change. Speaking of change, I know we've talked a lot about the pressures of school. Are there things that you would recommend that would help fix some of the problems? You know, change starts with us. As cringy and as cliche as that sounds, it, it really is true. Like, we have to be the generation that says, hey, it's okay to do this, and it's not okay to do this. And by doing that, we can create change, you know? And another thing that I would recommend, which may not be feasible yet, is to adopt the Finnish system. But um, <laughs> that's a talk for another time. Yeah, for sure. I know the Finnish school system definitely has its benefits. I actually did my 10th honors lit essay on that. But some things that I think that we can incorporate now are maybe more Socratic seminar-based activities and project-based learning. I remember in TAG or our Talented and Gifted program in elementary school, the focus was more on building real-world applications of the knowledge instead of just cramming a lot of things and memorizing things. I know we were nowhere near the level of rocket scientists, but in fourth grade, we did a Mars project where we actually had to design astronaut suits and bases and rockets for Mars. And I thought it was really cool because we use these like basic principles of science and our research to help us with these like creative problems. And I think that if we focus more on creativity and problem solving, then we can have a better chance at applying our knowledge for some meaningful change. Mm-hmm. I can see that. It would be really worthwhile if schooling was a little bit more focused on thought processes as opposed to cramming. Like I mentioned before, Socratic seminars and AP Lit or AP Lang. Like, obviously, you don't need to memorize every single fact of the book. You have the book there and you have your resources, but you take these facts, you synthesize them, and you find broader purposes. You find the deeper meaning in the book and just topics about life so i think if we transition learning towards more like discourse and like i mentioned before like these kind of mars based problem solving or lab based activities we definitely have a lot more interest in learning but also that real world application you know one thing that i don't like about socratic seminars though is maybe it's just our school that does this but they're graded like 
based off of how much you talk, so it kind of forces you to talk more or less than what would actually be helpful. But I definitely see where you're going with that. And yeah, I agree. And I definitely think the school should be more focused on learning rather than just memorizing facts and taking tests and seeing how far you've come along that pathway. I agree. And like these suggestions that we've provided, like obviously they're not perfect. They're just some of our thoughts. And we'd love to hear some of your thoughts too. Like we'll be putting some like stickers up on our Instagram story. So you should definitely check those out and tell us like what has helped you study or what are some suggestions you would have for school to make it a bit more interactive and real world applicable. Mm-hmm. Well, it was fun um, talking with you, Yasmin. Yeah, I had so much fun, Gia. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's time to wrap things up. So have a good day, everyone, or good night whenever you're listening. And this was Suburbanized. Bye, Suburbanites. <laughs>